Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Sports Talker. Yates, are we on? Yes, we are on. All right. It's, we're doing the Internet's down at the station, so everything's a little crazy right now. We're on the phone, and the intro on the phone is a little bit different than it is uh, from what I hear when I do it on the Skype of the Internet. I call it the Skype like I'm an 80-year-old man. Big show today. I'm excited whether or not we're internetless at the station. So a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. It was a exciting weekend of sports, and it's going to continue to be an exciting week of sports. It's a short week. It's the 4th of July week. It's a big weekend coming up, and uh, pretty pumped. And I think Kentucky fans should be pretty pumped with the news on, I guess that was Saturday when the news broke, land getting two huge football commitments, putting their class, Kentucky football class, to number 18 in the country, when at the same time on a very interesting live stream, Jabari Greenwood and Darius Fullwood, uh, the, the Wood brothers, they're not really brothers, obviously, because they have different last names, ended up at Kentucky, the number 18th, the 18th defensive end, the 42nd wide receiver coming to Lexington. That's a huge get for Mark Stoops, Tommy Maynard was the recruiter for these guys, opening up a pipeline to Virginia, Maryland, that area, D.C. Uh, a lot has been made over the weekend, so this is kind of old news about what this means. But I, I'm just more kind of impressed and shocked that this moves U.K. number 18 in the rankings. It was around this time last summer that U.K. was number one in the country, and it was a short stint at number one, but still number one the last. A lot of people took screenshots. You didn't know how long that was going to last. But it lasted for a few days and just unbelievable job with what Stoops has done on the recruiting trail. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit to open up the show. And it, I don't know if these are going to be any unoriginal takes. And anybody that knows me, I write for CastleIllustrated.com, and I try to be as unbiased as possible. But it is hard not to to kind of give U.K. a pat on the back, U.K. football a pat on the back for what they're able to do. This is a team that has won four games in two years, zero SEC games. They haven't won in conference. And, of course, being 18th ranked in the country puts them, I think, ninth in the SEC for recruiting. So even though they haven't won an SEC game in two years, they are still one of the top teams in the country on recruiting rankings, given all that. It is remarkable. It's unbelievable. And yes, the results eventually have to show. But in the meantime, and this is, that's one of the things I love about rival fans, not only Louisville fans, but Tennessee fans, other teams, Vandy fans, other teams in the SEC. So they, they make it seem like Stoops has been the reason Kentucky has been bad the last few years. He's coached one year. Let's, for, let's, let's remember that. He's been here a year and a half, but he's only coached one full football season. A season that was not great, but a season that anybody that covers U.K. football and has been watching U.K. football over the past four years knows that despite the 2-10 and record, it was an improvement. Kentucky was in most more competitive in games, uh, was in games in the fourth quarter that they hadn't been in for a few years. There was some improvement there. He's only coached one full season, so fans... Bravo fans acting like it doesn't matter that they're getting good recruits because Stoops showed that he couldn't coach are crazy. He had one bad year in his only year, and it wasn't really a bad year if you take into consideration the improvements. So this is going to work at Kentucky. Now, to what extent 
I'm not sure. Does this mean Kentucky is going to compete for SEC championships? Eh, probably not, not at least for a while. But they're going to get better, and they're going eventually. And, and I don't want to make a big deal about the rivalry, Louisville-Kentucky, but it is a big deal for Kentucky, and it could become a big deal for Louisville. One, Kentucky is already starting to dominate the in-state recruiting. This is a change than five years ago. Kentucky is starting to get all the big guys, and Louisville is starting to just kind of focus in on the people in Louisville, which is great for, you know, which is great. Most of the top talent, or a lot of the, at least the, the quantity of the quality of the state of Kentucky football talent comes from Louisville. Now you're going to get guys like Barker and Matt Elam and, and Damian Harris uh, that are going to pop up in other parts of the state. But Kentucky's showing that when these guys pop up, pop up in other parts of the state, they're Kentuckys to lose, and that's not good news for Louisville. But away from the recruiting trail, this is a big deal for Kentucky because eventually Kentucky's going to start beating, going to start beating Louisville again, and that's going to happen. And that's a, big, a bigger deal for Kentucky than it is for Louisville because Kentucky needs that win to get to bowl games or to get to a better bowl game. Now, in the past, Louisville would be able to lose to Kentucky. Not only would it not impact their bowl uh, being qualified for a bowl, because their schedule would be so weak, but Louisville could still go to a BCS bowl if they lost to Kentucky. So it hasn't been as big a deal. Now, Louisville moving to the ACC, which I guess becomes official tomorrow, Yates, is that correct? Yes. So that becoming official tomorrow, now that could change. The schedule's going to get much tougher. They're going to play Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame next year. Some years they're going to be playing Virginia Tech mixed in with those teams, and it's going to start getting tougher. But as for now, Louisville can afford losing an out-of-conference game where Kentucky could absolutely not. You have to think of it in this perspective. Kentucky got rid of playing Louisville, and they played just another a Ball State or – yeah, just some other team, a, a random, you know, not a very good team from a small conference. Maybe you want to try to avoid Western Kentucky for a year or two, but you got to play another team, then that would be ideally for Kentucky, that'd be four wins and you'd only have to win two SEC games. But that's not the case. Louisville is a, is a, obviously has been very good and that hasn't been able to be a guaranteed out of conference win for Kentucky. So they need that win and they're going to start getting it. It's going to start happening again because of what Stoops is bringing in. Now, people are, have asked me, and I, I, I focus in on basketball recruiting for CatsIllustrated.com, but people have been asking me reasons why Kentucky's able to do this. But even some Louisville fans, uh, the ones that aren't claiming that Kentucky's cheating, uh, are genuinely interested in why is this happening with Stoops. Well, one, I'm going to give off a list of reasons. One, Mark Stoops is hungry. This is his head, first head coaching job. I think Louisville fans remember when Schrong came over to to Uvalde from Florida, that was his first head coaching job, and it brings a new energy to the program. It, it kind of makes you forget what happened the past few years because that coach wasn't there for those years, so he doesn't care about it. There's no there's no shadow following the program from the past. You're able to erase that. So Mark Seuss is hungry, and, and he's confident. Joker didn't even go after some guys. He didn't even recruit Drew Barker because he didn't think that they had a chance to land him. And Stoops, when there's a guy, it doesn't it doesn't matter if Stoops leaves his chance to land guys. He's going to go after him. And so far, it's working. Two, this is the obvious one, playing time. 
the roster when Stoops took over was pathetic, terrible. As bad as a Division One football roster could be is what Stoops walked into. The amount of people that left almost over, uh, close to, I don't know if it's over yet, but it looks like it's getting close to half of Joker Phillips' last recruiting class at Kentucky is not on the team anymore. Unbelievable. So there's plenty of playing time to be had. Big named, small named, regardless of what player you're going after, wants to play right away. That That is helping UK. This goes into that next point. It's in the SEC. So you're getting playing time in the best conference in the country, the most watched conference in the country, right away. Now, you might be losing, but you're still playing Alabama. You're still playing on TV. You're still going against the best. And every recruit in their mind thinks that they can compete against anybody. If you're a running back for Kentucky and you get three touchdowns and run for 160 yards against Alabama on national TV, people are going to know your name because you did it against Alabama. So you're playing in the SEC, you're getting playing time in the SEC. That's reason number three why Mark Stoops is having such recruit, such good results on the recruiting trail. Number four is the staff that Stoops has brought with them. They're young for the most part. They're hungry. And the areas they're going after, they know. That's reason number four. He did a great job building a staff, and not only a staff of guys that he likes, that he knows and thinks will do a good job developing players, but he was smart. He knows where UK needs to attack for on the recruiting trail, and he got guys that are familiar with that area. And that brings me to my fifth point, Ohio. Ohio's a brand-new realm for Kentucky. It's, it's, right, it's been right there the whole time. Ohio hasn't moved. It's just always been just north of Kentucky, right across the Ohio River. But you would have thought that it wasn't even there when other coaches were, were coaching at Kentucky, specifically Joker Phillips. So Stoops got a staff. He got a staff that's familiar with Ohio. Vince Morrow is the, one of the main guys, and they're attacking it, and they're having a lot of success there. It's, it really is remarkable what they've been able to do in that state in the two recruiting classes that, that, that Stoops has had. It's, it's impressive, and I don't think it's going to change. They've shown that they're going to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And really, in Ohio, if you're a kid in Ohio, especially Southern Ohio, what big programs did you grow up watching? Probably Ohio State's number one. That's definitely the case. But after that, what program, it's mostly Big Ten teams after that, what Big Ten program is that much more appealing than Kentucky? Penn State, Michigan. After You can make a case for Kentucky after that of all of them, especially if you take in these other reasons. So it's no surprise to why Kentucky is having a lot more success. This is another reason, reason number six. Lexington, Kentucky is in a good location, and this kind of has to go with uh, with wanting to pinpoint where you need to go. And this is more of a University of Kentucky stat that they use, but Kentucky is in a day's drive of half the population of the United States. You have to think if you're gonna if you're gonna go after guys in the South, and Kentucky's still going after guys in Georgia and South Carolina and any part of Ohio and basically wherever they want to go. Most people are within eight hours. Eight hours for me, at least, is kind of the cutoff 
eight or nine hours is kind of the cutoff for when I'm going to drive somewhere and I got to fly. And driving's a lot cheaper than flying. So Lexington's in a good place. But you can get these recruits and say, hey, it's it, mom and dad, you can come to the games. We've got six home games a year. It's only a seven, eight-hour drive. You come up Friday, you leave after the game Saturday, or you come up Saturday, it's a late game, you leave Sunday, you get to watch your, your son play for the for his entire career. That's a, that's a good deal. That's going to go a long way with Kentucky. And I don't know if that's necessarily a recruiting pitch that the old staff has sold, but they're getting guys from all over, but all over uh, this general area. And they did get TV Williams in Texas, and they kind of made it seem like they might go after Texas a little bit more. They might in the future. That's not necessarily within a day's drive. But those are kind of the reasons of why Kentucky has had football recruiting success. And I, it's going to work at Kentucky. And now, like I said, the only question is, what does that mean? How many wins does that mean? They're going to get to bowl games. I know that much. We're back here, second segment on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I think we dropped out a little bit there in the first segment, but you all didn't miss much. Just a little bit more rambling from me. Let's waste no time and go straight to the our, our first guest, Kyle Tucker, the Courier Journal. Kyle, how? Sure, Kyle, are you there? Having a tough time hearing Kyle Yates. Do you want to try to get Kyle up again? Yates, are you there? Yes, trying to call him back. All right. Are we still live on the air right now? Yes. Okay. Oh, the Internet's broken anyways. I think the live stream's down, so... We'll be okay on that end. Well, we'll try to get Kyle back when we can. John Calipari talked to the media today. And it's funny, when they do these SEC teleconferences, basically if you're not John Calipari or you're not the team that's playing Kentucky that week, and obviously when it's the summer teleconference, nobody's playing Calipari, the other coaches don't really stay on the phone that much. Frank Martin had a funny quote saying he always looks forward to the three minutes talking to the media. If you're not playing Kentucky, you don't generally get a ton of questions. And if you're not John Calipari, you don't get a ton of questions. The thing about John Calipari is he doesn't even take a ton of questions because he is so so filled with opinions that he generally has no problem spewing out uh, thousands of words on one question. Anyways, I think Kyle Tucker's back on. Kyle, you know? Come in. All right, sorry about that. I'm glad to have you on despite the technical difficulties how are you? You doing all right? I haven't had you on the show here in a while. Yeah, doing well. Good. I, I know you went on a, a nice little vacation, which I'm kind of jealous of, and now you're back in the in the, in the thick of things. Uh, John Calipari spoke to the media today. I know you went and covered the draft, so you've had a busy last few days. What did you make mostly of John Calipari's comments today uh, on the SEC teleconference? 
Uh, it was pretty much all stuff we'd heard before. Uh, some of us who actually cover the team uh, specifically were hoping to get in there and ask a few things more about the team, but uh, we didn't get really much of a chance. Uh, a, a conference like that, you got to press star one to get your question in, and I guess I wasn't quick enough on the trigger. I know I was and Brett uh, Dawson both trying to uh, get on there and ask something and, and couldn't, so we got a whole bunch of what do you think of the one-and-done rule and, and things that we've heard Cal Perry go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about over the years. So um, I was a little disappointed by that. was hoping to hear some more from him about his early impressions of the new guys and things like that, but there'll be another day for that, I guess. So um, like I said, I, I don't know that he broke much ground today. He, he said that you know the games in the Bahamas – uh, he thinks will be harder than most people usually play when they go on these international trips, and that was by design. He wants these young guys to be tested. Um, and he talked about Willie, how, you know, I think he sort of basically said this before, but he thought Willie Collie-Stein was gone the day after the national championship game and was basically wishing him well. And, and Willie Willie came in on his own and said he, did, he wanted to come back because he wanted to get better and wanted to be more ready for the NBA and wanted to win a national championship. So, um you know, I, I, that was pretty much the extent of of anything that was really interesting to me as a person that's heard him talk a thousand times because a lot of the other sort of, you know, the one and, one and done and taking care of athletes and all that stuff, we've heard him say that so many times before. Yeah, we have we have heard him talk about the two and done rule and, and basically saying the ball is in the NCAA's court and this and that. But one thing that he didn't talk a lot about today and hasn't talked a lot about ever is Rupp Arena and the city and the university. He can talk about, he can talk for hours basically about any other topic, but when it comes to ask about Rupp Arena, he's very short, very few words. That was the case again today. Why do you think he's being so quiet on this Rupp Arena front? I would imagine it's because he's been asked to be uh, quiet. Um, you know, this is a, these decisions are being made at a university level. Um, clearly, the president of the university has been very involved in that, um, evidenced by his blistering letter um, to one of the, you know, the manager of their up arena project. So, um, yeah, I just think this project is, is bigger even than John Calipari. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think as a, as a university, they would prefer that he really not come out and say too much one way or the other um, until it gets a little more settled and worked out. Yeah, it's, I guess I'm getting to the point, and Kyle, once you tell me if you agree or disagree with this, I'm getting to the point where the John Cal Perry probably just doesn't necessarily care about it. Uh, I don't know. Right. Maybe, if that's, uh, maybe that's because he doesn't think he's going to be a lo- around long enough to see this arena get built in the first place, or maybe it's because he just he doesn't care. I mean, the, the locker room of Rupp Arena is nice. Rupp Arena itself is number one or two in attendance every year, but we know Calipari. We know when he's passionate about an issue, he's going to talk about it. And I can't imagine if he was passionate about this and UK's president told him to be quiet about it, that that would really stop him. I think he kind of feels like he can get away with doing whatever he wants. So I'm at the point he just doesn't really care about the arena and and just wants to kind of focus on basketball side of things. Uh, that part wouldn't necessarily surprise me either if, if that were the case. Um, like you said, I mean, whether it's build a new one or renovate the old one, you know, is there a pretty good chance Calipari won't be there to see either of those things fulfilled? Yeah, I mean, there is a pretty good chance. Um, you know, it could be three to four years before a renovation is done. It could be, it would be probably much longer than that before Kentucky could build its own arena and have the thing done and being playing in it. So, you know, 
I don't know if he does see it as something that really affects him. It's not hurting recruiting. I mean, that's, that's obvious. You know, he's still going to get whoever he wants in recruiting. Um, they have as nice a practice facility as anywhere in the country, as nice or nicer than a lot of NBA teams. Um, right there on campus, they have the the nicest, I would have to think, living quarters for college basketball players in America with the new Wildcat Coal Lodge. Um, you know, and they have a state-of-the-art um, locker room that you mentioned that they, they went and sort of did on their own uh, inside Rupp Arena. So everything that players actually touch and use every day is as nice as it could possibly be. Um, anything with, a, with an arena is, is a fan comfort thing and a, and a pride thing, um, you know, as a showpiece. But it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think Cal Perry or any, any coach really needs any of those things to recruit um, because of all the other things they already have. Um, and once you get a recruit in Rupp Arena, you take him in that locker room, and it looks awesome. And you take him out in old, whatever you want to call it, you know, if, if it's if, if by by other standards that's run down Rupp Arena, still you take him out in there, and there's 24,000 fans screaming, and you know, environment-wise, it's still as good as there is in college basketball. So, in terms of its impact on the coach and his ability to recruit, um, and it's certainly on his day-to-day operations, it has almost almost zero. Yeah, I, I think Kentucky, with John Calipari's background, just what he's been able to do with players, he doesn't need any other advantage on the recruiting front, especially in arena. So maybe that's another reason that's why he doesn't necessarily care. But speaking of the NBA, speaking of recruiting, you were at the NBA draft uh, last Thursday in New York, and you were able to watch Ju- uh, James Young and, and Julius Randle get drafted to Los Angeles and Boston, respectively. So... What did, what did you take away from the draft? I know that you had a couple of different uh, well-written stories with Julius Randle and, and his mom. Uh, what was kind of the scene there? Cal Perry was there, too. Uh, I, th- I, I don't know if it was your words or, or maybe somebody else on Twitter kind of described Cal Perry as a proud father last Thursday night. Well, yeah, he was. I was actually, uh, before the draft, I was I had gone around looking for Cal and, and couldn't find him, and so I was I was back in the – in the uh, actual arena, and, and some of the guys were out there in their draft day suits getting up on the stage for posing for some pictures, and I was trying to get in a good spot to take a picture of, of Randall and Young together, and somebody sort of, like, barreled me over, basically, uh, and it was Cal, and uh, he was just sort of joking around, but he, but seriously, he wanted to sort of, like, elbow his way in among all the various media and other people that were taking pictures because he wanted to get a good picture on his phone of uh, James Young and Julius Randle, and he was saying, you know, hey, move a little this way, and he was he was sort of talking to the players on stage, the other players, like, hey, get out of the way, I'm trying to I'm trying to get James and, and Julius in this picture, um, because he want, he really wanted to get a nice picture of his guys, and, and he certainly is a very proud papa on that draft day. He's made it really clear in his time here that, that draft day is a, is a huge day to him. It's a thing that he's really proud of continuing to put these guys in the NBA and, and obviously you know so many of his critics will say they were going to be in the NBA anyway and that is true most of these guys they were never not going to get drafted but uh, but nonetheless um, he's very proud of, of his sort of tradition of, of draft picks and having guys go high in the draft and changing their lives with with the money they're making and that was evident with Julius and his mom he's surprised her and sort of lavished her with some gifts and things since uh, since he turned pro because she spent all her life uh, raising him as a single mother and, and really sacrificing a lot. And, and that was a special day for them. She could not have been happier. She was in a, a designer dress that Julius bought for her and 
had just come back from a, a trip to Hawaii. He sent her on so she could take a break from her job. And um, I think things like that are really cool to see. I think they're things that, that really make uh, Calipari proud and, and the things that he likes the most about this job. And we're talking with Kyle Tucker, the Courier Journal. Kyle, let's say you were Julius Randall and you were just drafted uh, top, one of the top ten picks in the NBA draft. What would be the first thing you would buy? Would it be something for somebody else? Would it be something for yourself? You're talking about what Julius Randall is able to do for his mom. What would Kyle Tucker do for for himself or maybe a loved one? Yeah, I, I would probably um, I'd probably pay for my my parents' house, whatever was left, or or build them a new house because you know I, I feel the same way about my parents that so many people do, and so many guys in the draft do. They uh, my parents were were real young when I was born and made a lot of sacrifices to make sure I had a good life, and uh, uh, I think it would be a, an awesome thing to be able to take care of your family. Um, and sort of give something back to the people that that got you wherever you are. Um, I, I would definitely buy some toys. I'm not really sure exactly uh, what I would get, but I'd probably get a fast car and uh, a house on a beach somewhere. But um, yeah, I think we all have our little checklist if we won the lottery. And I think you know a lot of times when you uh, <laughs> you know when you when you get drafted in the top ten, you basically have hit the lottery. You have hit the lottery, but certainly a lot of hard work goes into it and. And Julius Randle and James Young should be proud, and, and now they find themselves, uh, they went to Kentucky, maybe the most historic college basketball program, and the two end up at debatably the two most historic NBA franchises, especially with Julius Randle going to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, no team in college basketball gets covered more, scrutinized more. I know Cal Perry talked about this, but it, there's some truth to it. There's a ton of attention regarding Kentucky basketball. Now, there's no debate. Maybe New York Knicks is right up there. Those two teams, New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers, they're the Kentucky of the NBA. They're, they're covered uh, 365. They're, they will have hundreds of people at their media opportunities. So Julius Randle is going to be just fine moving into that, right? Or is the NBA a different different animal? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he basically said that. You know, he said it on draft night, and I think he said it today in his introductory press conference. You know, Being at Kentucky prepared him for – to an extent, for what he's going to go through, I, I don't think anything really prepares you for being a Laker in LA. Um, it's it's even another level. Um, you know, it's you, you got TMZ following you just as much as you do, um, you know, the, the sports writers. And so, um, you know, there, there's there's more there. Um, you know, one thing that's almost a little bit of a misconception about the way players get prepared for the NBA here is, uh, oh, this media, 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 but that. The way the players are are shielded from that here a little bit, um, I don't think does necessarily prepare them to the level of what they get at the in the NBA, where they talk every day, they talk before games and after games. Um, they're available all the time. Uh, you know, we talked to Julius Randle quite a bit, but he might have been available once a week um, to speak with us, you know, whether it be a pregame or a postgame. Um, there may have been times we uh, went a week or two without talking to them, and they'd give us somebody else to talk to. So uh, I think that that'll always be an adjustment, even for players who went to Kentucky. The idea of in a market like LA, especially a major market, you have all those cameras in your face that you had once a week. You have them every day, and sometimes twice a day in a place like that. So I think I think even when you go to Kentucky, it's going to be a little bit of a shell shock. That's uh, I agree with you, and it's just. Now it becomes their job. Uh, you, I guess some people can make a case it's their job in college, but you have to mix that with school and all that. Now the only thing he has to worry about is playing basketball and, 
and staying out of trouble. But on James Young's side of things in Boston, obviously Boston gets a ton of media attention as well. But from the basketball side of things, Boston's rebuilding. I guess you could make a case, certainly, that the Lakers are rebuilding, but they do have Kobe there. Uh, the, the Celtics have a young coach, a young core, Rajon Rondo be quickly becoming one of the older guys for the Celtics. But how do you think James Young fits on a team that isn't expected to do much next year unless they make some free agent moves? And with a young coach, there's not a ton of expectations. Do you think that works well with what James Young is trying to accomplish in his first year in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's going to take a little time with him. I think the first year may be an adjustment, but I, I think he can be a really good NBA player. I think he's a better athlete than what maybe we saw at times at Kentucky. You know, he, he talked a little bit before the day before the draft about wanting to show people that. He's the same James Young. He he can be the James Young that dunked all over two guys in the national championship game in a sort of jaw-dropping way um, and not just a spot-up shooter. Um, and so, you know, I I think he's a better athlete than probably he got credit for here. Um, I think he's a better shooter than what he was here. I think he can, he can uh, when it, like you said, when it's his job, when he works on that every day, uh, I think he can be an excellent shooter, three-point shooter, um, and I think he'll have a home in the NBA. I think he's a guy that's got a chance to, to be a starter and to, to play a long time. I think if he's able to knock down outside shots, that's going to make him really uh, down the road a, a, a player that's very difficult to guard. But he was sort of, uh, I mean, certainly inconsistent during his one year at Kentucky, kind of turned it on later from shooting from deep. So we'll have to see how he develops from that. Uh, Kyle Tucker, Career Journal, last question for you, and appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we haven't really talked any football, and I don't know how much time you've had a, a chance of covering football this summer, but it, things are starting to heat up. It's uh, SEC, the, the the football media days isn't too far away. Uh, what do you? What, some good recruits for Kentucky landed this past weekend. What do you make of, of Kentucky's offseason? It's been a quiet, uh, semi-quiet offseason for the most part, uh, at least away from the recruiting, so uh, no news is probably good news when it comes to UK football this time of the year. Or, or are you looking for a quarterback to be named at this point? No, I think I think it's almost always no news is good news in the summertime months when when guys have a chance to get in trouble and you see a lot of programs have have a, a, a rash of those issues. Uh, obviously, there was the Jason Hatcher uh, citation, marijuana citation, but that that has been dismissed. So he's uh, I think he's in the clear there and. Um, will be with the team this fall. Um, other than that, they've they've steered pretty clear of having any um, any major issues that we're aware of, and I think that's probably good. I think they've had a good summer of of off season uh, workouts, and uh, you know they have continued to add talent. and That's what they really need to do, and and I think they're still a year away from people saying, "Wow, they've really made a move." But I think they'll be better this year. I think there's a lot of confidence brewing over there that they know they have. They look different uh, talent-wise. They're different. Um, they're still playing in the hardest league in the country, and, and I think a four-win season would be a good season for them. It would be an improvement. They've won two the last two each the last two years to go from two and ten and two and ten to four and eight would be a step up. And I think that's what they need. They at least need to do that, um, and that can and and you know be more competitive in some of the losses. And people can start to say, look, you can see that young talent. You can see them turning the tide. Uh, and then next season, I think 2015 is the year you look for Kentucky to make a move. But the fact that even without wins so far to, to hang their hat on, the staff has continued to add upper echelon recruits, the kind of recruits that other programs in the league want, 
the kind of recruits that they never really got. Um, the fact that they keep doing that, they keep stacking them up. I think 17 four-star recruits now since Stoops got here. Um, by far more than Joker and, and, and Rich Brooks had combined in, in the, whatever that was, eight, eight, nine years before him. Um, and so that's really impressive, and that gives them a chance. You've got to have talent in this league, and, and Kentucky's talent was way, way down. So uh, impressive that they're sort of stockpiling the players, and now they got to start uh, start adding up some wins. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. It just keeps the momentum moving forward. And I lied to you. That I, that was not my last question. I, I, could, I tend to do that on my radio show, say one thing and then completely do something else. Prediction for, for United States-Belgium tomorrow. I know you've been following this World Cup. It's certainly been uh, exciting. It's something to talk about this summer, and I think soccer's starting to catch on in, here in America. But what's your prediction? USA-Belgium tomorrow, round the 16. I'll say 2-1 uh, USA. And uh, party, party in the party in the streets of the party in the USA. I, I guess is what uh, what I would say. Yeah, yeah. No Belgian waffles tomorrow. No Belgian beer tomorrow. We can all survive one day without two things. As the United States looks to move to the quarterfinals for the first time since 2002. Kyle Tucker, the Courier Journal. Thanks so much for joining me. I, as always, appreciate your time, and it was good to talk to you again, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, that's Kyle Tucker. Appreciate. We're going to head to our last commercial break here at 1450 The Sports Buzz. We've had some technical difficulties to get today, and I appreciate you, uh, th- those that have been able to, to follow along despite those and hanging with us, so I, I certainly appreciate that. Smooth sailing now, and we're going to head, like I said, to the last commercial break. We're going to come back, talk a little more USA-Belgium, and, and talk some more U.K. news. This has been the more U.K.-dominated show we've had in a while, which is something you might suspect from a U.K. sports show. We'll be right back. And we're back here for one final segment. On a Monday edition of the Sports Soccer here, on 1450, the sports buzz. Glad that you've hung around up to this point. Just uh, ten more minutes. Several things that I want to I want to talk about before we get going. Uh, Yates, did you watch any of the, uh, the 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 big NASCAR race at the Kentucky Speedway? Uh, no. Me neither. And, and my dad kind of wanted to watch it, although he isn't uh, a NASCAR fan at all. But we were we were grilling at his house the other day, and he said that he wanted to to watch some of it. And it, I, I just can't get into it. I think that's a, the one sport that is constantly on TV and, and gets people excited that I have not gotten into, or at least watched and even tried to get into. I mean, I guess I tried, but it just hasn't really worked out. The Quaker State four hundred that I I can't do it. It's just it's not it's not for me, and I'm not going to knock it and say, uh, you know, it's ridiculous for people that do like it and do enjoy watching it. That's fine. It's a very passionate fan base, but again, just too slow. Not not enough going on for me to get excited and involved. And I, and I know probably the true NASCAR fans don't root for wrecks, but I know the casual ones do want to see some some, you know, a little bumping and grinding on the on the speedway, but. 
I don't know if that's a sport that I can get on board as one that you kind of want to root for for people to crash as excitement. But I, I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it, Yates. So that means we're we're both okay moving forward with that. Theron Land gets cut from the Orlando Magic despite shooting 40% from three last season, a combined over a 41.4% his two years with the Magic. Didn't have a huge role, played late in the season when obviously the Magic were kind of finished, although I guess no team has ever really finished in the East, but he'll he'll move on. I suppose there there, there could be some more storylines there, maybe something to, to watch out for with Deron Lamb. I think a team eventually will pick him up because he is a shooter. If he can get on a roster where he's not relied upon to play defense, he could he could end up in a good situation. But people that follow Deron Lamb on Twitter know that maybe he needs to to focus in on basketball more than than all this other nonsense that he is going on. When we talked about UK's football commitments. We talked with Cal Tucker about James Young, Julius Randle. We talked about the fit of James Young with the Boston Celtics. I thought there was a funny quote today from his press conference in Boston. Brad Stevens, the Celtics' young coach, called him a versatile defender, and that cracked me up. One of my buddies tweeted, is he a, is he a versatile defender because a, a, a range of players can blow by him? Does that make him versatile? That, that's kind of, he's not a, he's, I don't know what they mean, a versatile defender. When you look at James Young, you would, that's, he looks like he'd be good at defense. He's long, he's athletic, but he just has such a tough time staying in front of people that it, it cost UK several times last season, just blowing by, couldn't really, certainly couldn't guard guards and would even have trouble guarding wings. So he's got to get better defensively for, for him to be an NBA star. Now, again, he can just rely on his offense to be a good, solid NBA player, as we see uh, tons of, of NBA players do. But if he wants to be an elite NBA player, he's got to get better defensively. And it looks like he has all the pieces there, but he's just not that good about it. Not that good. DeAndre Liggins will play summer league with the Pistons. DeAndre Liggins has had a, a rough go, and I'm not saying it's not his fault for this rough go. But he was in a situation in Oklahoma City where – he played, he got valuable minutes, the team liked him, and then obviously the stuff with him and his girlfriend popped up, and that forced DeAndre Liggins out of Oklahoma City. Uh, I believe all those charges were ultimately dropped, but still an unfortunate situation, and now he's kind of had to start over from scratch. Hopefully he has a good summer league, able to make it. We'll again, of course, have to see about that. Anyways, we got a big game tomorrow. A game that I, I I know you're you're excited about Yates. Uh, Yates, I sent you the other day. I sent you a leak to an article. Our boy Dan Wetzel was added again, and he was basically just it was a satire piece about how Americans uh, are superior, even though they don't really necessarily follow soccer, and how we have to hate Belgium and all this nonsense. What are you making of that Wetzel piece there, Yates? Uh, I think Wetzel is secretly a Canadian. That's that's why he texted me and had a good laugh about that. He hates America. I, I don't. I and then he tweeted again today about Josie Altidore playing and and how that it's not really going to matter and this and that. I don't know what is with Wetzel hating America, but uh, first he it, it went. I, well, maybe it wasn't even first, but I guess he started writing about how America can't tie with Germany because that's not American and 
if you are cheering for a tie, then you're not a true American and this and that and how it would be disgraceful and all this. And then he comes back, and it's just been piece after piece talking pretty much backhanded, not really compliments, just forward kind of slap across the face insults to the United States. And then he, and then he writes this piece. I'm kind of getting sick of it. And he's such a good writer. But I, I think going forward, maybe Yahoo, a smart play for them, would, would be keep, keeping Wetzel off the uh, soccer beat moving forward. But as we have it, him aside, there is a big game tomorrow as Germany and Algeria singing the national anthems. They're about to, about to kick off here in the next 10, 10 minutes. But uh, USA, uh, Belgium tomorrow, Josie Altador is back. I don't think Josie's going to be able to start in my opinion, but he could come on in the 70th minute. Yates, do you think there's a chance he's going to get some valuable playing time tomorrow, or is this just a, a Jurgen strategy to try to make Belgium prepare for more players than maybe they have to? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Jurgen, I don't know, that seems like something he might do. I, I would be surprised if he started. It seems like pretty quick for him to be back from a hamstring pull or whatever the injury may have been. Uh, I would probably be, yeah, I'm with you. I think he probably will come on as a sub maybe later in the game. But, I mean, I, I, who knows? Maybe he maybe he is you know, ready to go and ready to start. I won't, we'll see. I, I have a tough time imagining that if he starts that he would finish the game. But, I mean, that could be the case even if he was 100% and, and you know, how players get tired, you bring them off. And, and Josie obviously is a bigger guy, more of a, a physical type player. It's going to certainly be a hot game tomorrow, but I really don't think it is Jurgen Klinsman like to just say he is ready to play just to throw Belgium off a little bit. I think if they're saying that he is ready to go, I think he's going to play in some capacity. And we've seen a lot of these games, these round of 16 games, already go into extra time. That's an additional 30 minutes of soccer on top of already an hour and a half. So that makes it two hours of soccer, which is unbelievable to think about, just running up and down the field for that extended amount of time. So he could be a sub, and it could be a huge advantage for the United States. Now, I don't think we're going to see him as a sub in the 70th minute unless the United States is down or maybe tied. I think if the United States is up, they're going to leave him off the pitch and, and maybe go more defensive-oriented. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we'll be able to talk more about this game tomorrow will lead right into the game, which will certainly be uh, that'll be an interesting setup for the radio show tomorrow. But anyways, uh, I guess we can wait for predictions for tomorrow. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. I'm getting, starting to get a little nervous about it. But no matter what, regardless of what happens tomorrow, the United States will be one of the nine remaining teams playing in the World Cup. Of course, that's just because they're the last game of the round of 16 games. But Algeria and Germany here today, France beat Nigeria earlier this afternoon. It's been a fun soccer day. Yates, did you get around to watching that show on HBO last night? That new series premiere? It's, uh, what's the name of it? The Leftovers? The Leftovers. I always want to I always want to call it different names like uh, The Survivors or something like that. But did you get around to watching The Leftovers? I have not watched it, no. Did you? I did. I did watch it. We're running out of time here. Uh, it, it's a bit depressing, in my opinion. It's kind of... There, it's not, if you're looking to get pumped up and in a good mood, it's not the show for you. Now, I was kind of disappointed. It was an hour and 15 minutes long. I was kind of disappointed with the first 45 minutes because I feel like they were just trying to make it confusing 
to bring you back, and I don't necessarily want them to do that to make you want to watch more just because you didn't understand. Now, what I'm okay with is them making it confusing and exciting so you're compelled to watch next episode so you can learn more, not that you, so you want to learn more, not that you have to learn more to get the next episode or to understand the first episode either. either. And so the last 30 minutes really picked up. It was more entertaining. It's very confusing. You don't know what's going on necessarily, but it did enough for me where I'm going to watch next week. I'm excited to not watch next week, but it is certainly depressing. It'll kill the mood of any environment that you're in. If you're having a good day and you and your wife are having a good day, you're like, hey, all right, we're pumped up. Let's let's watch this show and let's grill out. Then after you watch it, you're not going to want to do anything but go to bed. But Watch it nonetheless, that being said. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for putting up with the show today. It was a good show. I appreciate Kyle Tucker coming on. And thanks for listening. This is 1450 The Sports Buzz, and we'll be back tomorrow.